Hello and welcome to the Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Let's just dive right into it this week, huh? Absolutely. It's great to see this guy. Always great to see this guy. Uh, he kind of came up, well, the same time I did, to be honest. His sure. first, first year season. was my first Absolutely. season with the team in 2005. Uh, and uh, he's gone on to great things, won a Stanley Cup. Uh, it's great to see Rich Peverly. Rich, thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. How you been? I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I well, really enjoy this. We stuff. really we really appreciate your time. Uh, family's good. Everybody's good. You're back in Guelph, right? I'm back in Guelph. Yeah, yeah. I'm not far from Darren Hadar, so we kind of speak every once in a while. It's neat to see because he was a teammate of yours when you started with Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. It was his last season in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. He had an unbelievable year. Yeah. Um, and later on this year in February, you know they're going to retire yep. his number here. Yeah, I saw that on, uh, I saw that on Twitter, and then I think I follow the Admirals on Twitter, and then, uh, and then I saw Tony Herkus. Uh, I always see him in Traverse City. He scouts for Tampa, and we were talking about it. And, and he's so modest; he doesn't even, didn't even know he was. Her he wouldn't even. Herk is a guy yeah. that you would never know. Yeah. He was the greatest scorer in NCAA history. Yeah. He was right. a Stanley Cup champion. If you yeah. didn't know who he was, he would never tell you. No, he exactly. Have no idea. Exactly. He, he's a, he's a great human being, and we're we're both happy for Darren because because Tony was helping out that year as like a volunteer assistant. Yeah. Coach. In 0506. Yeah. Right. In 0506. So like he actually helped me a lot with faceoffs and different things, and he was a great influence for me. So. He was a good buffer when I first got to know Claude because, uh, as you know, Claude could have been uh, a little rougher on the edges. To, <laughs> he to can start. Right, he can rub you the wrong way a little bit, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, let's talk about like how you came to play for the Admirals because you, uh, so you graduated from St. Lawrence in '04, uh, and then the next year you have to play in the ECH. You're playing in the ECHL because it's, it's the, the NHL lockout yeah. year, right? And so... Then you go into 0506 and you're back in the in the uh, to start off to start off in the. Uh, East Coast League in the East, uh, they don't call it the East Coast League anymore, it's just the ECHL. And who's your coach in the ECHL? Carl Taylor. Carl Taylor, see? Yeah. Comes Playing full for circle. Reading. Full yeah. circle indeed. Yeah, that was a, that was a funny year. Uh, lockout, everybody getting sent down. I started in Manchester on a tryout, and the coach was actually, um, I forget, his, uh, his Hughes, his Jack Hughes' dad. And oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. In I Manch? didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, in Manchester, and I remember getting That's cut. where the All-Star game was for the AHL that year, in 04-05. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I remember that quite clearly because I, I got cut, obviously, and, and then I went down, and then Carl had me. He was great. He was, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I kept, kept in touch with him. But uh, I think I was playing oh, – we had so many guys get called up. I don't know where I was playing. Carl said, you're going up to, to Milwaukee. You're going to play in Chicago tonight. So my first game was in Chicago. And going from the ECHL, we had good crowds at Reading. It was 15,000 in Chicago. Yeah, like, yeah. Back and that was the height of <clears throat> Chicago, right? They were the yeah. anti-Blackhawks, and yes. all the people were coming. All their games were on TV. Right. They yeah. had recognizable veterans, They all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, they had, uh, they had, some, they had some great teams. And uh, I ended up getting an assist that game, my first game. And uh, and I think I think Claude really, really kind of liked me. And uh, obviously, as a player, you don't know if he likes you or if he doesn't like you. But, Do you remember uh, who you were playing with that first game? Yeah, it was uh, Timo Shishkanov. Shishkanov, yeah. yeah. He uh, got traded him, that year. Him and I don't know, I don't remember who the other person was. It yeah. might have been. Could have been Pivko, maybe. Maybe. Maybe Marco Rosa, maybe. Yeah, could have sure. been too. Yeah, sure. might have been one of those guys. Uh, we just, you just kind of just throw it in. Oh, you know who it was? It was Brandon Siegel. Oh, sure. I stayed with, uh, yeah, yeah, I stayed with that line. It was me, Siegs, and uh, Shishkanov for a while. And then, uh, yeah, I remember coming down in my, my first my first kind of meeting, and we played Saturday night, Saturday night off, or Sunday off, come in Monday morning, and Claude calls a meeting, and he goes around, and he goes, all right, we're holding court. 
and he just goes around and rips every single guy around the room. <laughs> he said, "You can't play here. You're you suck." And then he came around to 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 me, and he goes, "Are you sweating at this point?" Oh, I'm just sweating. I have no idea what's gonna what you what's gonna yep. what's he gonna say. So then he's like, "I don't know. I'm not sure about you. Uh, the the jury's out. We'll see if you're good or not." <laughs> and then and then he goes around and he goes to Darren Haydar and he goes. Uh, I don't worry about you, Hazy. <laughs> you, you do it for Hazy. Like, you you always bring it. I don't worry about you. <laughs> they had those guys that you probably know. Those guys had their battles in All the past, big though, right? Time, for sure. Yeah, time. I mean, those were two Especially stubborn the, hockey yeah. players that, that cup year. Yeah, yeah, that butted heads yeah, quite a they bit. Butted, they butted heads quite a bit. But you know, I think there was a lot of respect for for Darren from Claude, and uh, you know, Claude was a smart player when he played. You can tell he's a smart coach when he coached. So. You know, I could see the the common the common respect. We on should there. be we should be fair here in saying that because in Milwaukee, we love to say we found Rich Peverly, right? We we we're the one who got him, and he made made the most of his chance after. But it would have been if it wasn't Milwaukee. The next day, somebody was going to call. I mean, it was just yeah. like you said, you well, were on the you were on the wrong side of the politics of the game, and that you weren't a draft pick, and it yep. was the lockout year, and so eventually something was going to yeah, shake Claude, out. Yeah, Claude called me in the summer. Uh, about I don't know if it was for a tryout or a contract. He said he wasn't sure, but but Ray Shiro was the assistant general manager, and Ray had a St. Lawrence connection. So he, oh, he watched okay. he watched me uh, a few times in the ECHL during the lockout, and then I think Ray was hoping to give me a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I say Ray Ray and Claude are the ones that kind of gave me a chance to get my foot in the door from the American League side mm-hmm. for sure. And Claude obviously helped me probably. If I wasn't for him, I don't know if I would have played in the NHL, just to be honest. Well, and it's nice that you come in and you're playing with guys, because Brandon Siegel at the time was was sort of established, and, yep. and Shishkinov was definitely established. Yep. How many times have you seen in the past a guy gets a call from the ECHL, he plays four minutes with yeah. with two guys two that guys are out who are there probably to just throw hands. Yeah. At that time, guys. they're just going to yeah. throw yeah. hands or something like that at best, right? There's no skill, no offense to those guys, but th- yeah. that's just how it goes. It's funny how it works, eh? Like, uh, so Fiddler got called up. Yes. And I, the reason I got called up was because Fids got called up. And then I become teammates with Fids in Nashville, and then we played again in Dallas. Right. So, and we still right. speak. And now you day. are doing similar jobs for the uh, Stars organization. Yeah, yeah. So now he's, well, a no, head, he's, up, he's, he's back up in, in Kelowna. Kelowna. Yeah, yeah that's how I knew co- that. Our associate coach up in Kelowna. So. How's he going to do with those long bus rides? Fids, uh, you know... Yeah. We love Fids, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think he like got used to the you know. Yeah, he likes this. He likes the extra stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. How's the, how's he gonna deal with the the eighteen hour bus rides? Well, who uh, knows, right? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I, I got I was on the bus from here to Chicago, and I don't even know if I could last. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different day, isn't it? It is. It is. So we the Admirals end up having an awesome season that year. Yeah, make a, a deep run in the playoffs. First round, you know, we uh, with. Uh, Iowa. Beat Iowa, you know we're on our, you know Jake Moreland. I don't know if you even remember yep. if you remember the name. Came Jake, in game seven. Game yeah, game seven. After not playing well in game six, we won that game and we go on to lose to Hershey in the finals. And you said to me actually that that is the most fun you have ever had. And this is when you were, I think you were still playing, uh, probably not including the Stanley Cup, but the most fun you've ever had in hockey. Not necessarily even the games, but just the teammates and getting yeah. to know the guys. And we had so much time off because we were sweeping everybody. Yeah, yeah. There that was there was just a lot of time to just have fun and bond and things yeah. like that. I was talking to a couple of the guys about it yesterday. Like, I think we played like 10 games in 40 days or yeah, something. Yeah, it was something it crazy. It was something well, crazy. Well, remember, because yeah. Hershey had graduations yep. in the building, so yep. the Admirals swept the, the second and third rounds. Yep. And Houston Hershey went and long. Grand Rapids. Exactly. Grand Rapids, yep. Hershey went long series, and then once we got played the first two in Milwaukee, 
and then you had to wait another week because yeah. they had, their building was booked with high school oh, graduations. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that, that was crazy. The Brookie says that's that's what went wrong. The championship didn't come to Milwaukee. Sheldon Brookbank told me because because you swept everybody and you just had too much time to sit around and think about. Yeah, things. we we had a lot of fun. Like <laughs> we we had a really good group and. Uh, we were always like, I remember we were over to the harp there yesterday. We were on that patio many times and, you know, it was great. It was just a great group of guys. And when the, when the guys came down from Nashville after their first round loss, like they were all great guys yeah. and it's shown in their careers. You I, know? I actually remember getting a text message from Shea Weber that night that they lost in the first round and, and so they're coming and he's, and he said, let's do this. Yeah. Right. Or something to that effect. Like he was excited to come down here and, yeah. and do that. And you see that. You know, with a lot of organizations, that doesn't happen. Like, guys no. come down, and it's not like they don't play hard, but they don't probably have the impact that they should have, given that they're skilled in their skill level uh, in the NHL compared to what they do down here. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. I remember that because seven against Iowa, and Claude called me in and he said, we're getting toots back just for this game. Yeah. So Nashville was nice enough, going to be a healthy scratch, send him down, let's play game right. seven. He came in, I think he scored and had an impact he right did. away. He scored well, goals. He, he yeah. laid out a guy in the first minute. Yeah. He just crushed a guy yeah. in the first minute, and then yeah. he scored He scored the first goal of the game. Yeah. And, and Claude calls me that day and says, or calls me the day before and says, Tutu's coming down. Nobody knows about this. I don't want this on the lineup sheet. I want Iowa to be <laughs> as I don't, secretive as I want possible. Iowa I to find that. this out when he comes into warm-ups. Yeah, I remember And that. I'm not joking with you. And yeah. that was that. But do you remember? Because the, the crowd wasn't huge. I think it was a Sunday afternoon game, yeah, if, if I remember correctly. It was, because it was Saturday that Claude told me, because okay. I was at a yeah. Cubs so game. So it was a actually, Sunday afternoon right. game, and it, it wasn't a huge crowd, and it's first round of the playoffs, and yeah. people aren't totally in the yeah. swing of, of the playoffs yet. But there was electricity when people saw number oh, 22 yeah. come out. Do you remember that at oh, all? Oh, yeah, I remember. He, like, he just had a presence, yeah. especially at this level. He came down and looked like a man among boys. Right. Like, he was just so dominant when he got on the ice. And what a great player he was in his time. Oh, my goodness. He could run around and scare guys. Did and you play cards with him in the back of the bus? Uh, I think I was still kind of a rookie back then. Right, so right, I was yeah. More towards the front. See, the people. <laughs> I remember. I remember him get, when he was with us, and he was kind of back and forth that yeah, season. Yeah. But I remember somebody back there telling me, and I don't remember who it was. It might have been Rick Barry because I got along. Rick, Rick, and I talked quite that, a bit, yeah. right? Um, but he said Toots is never out because he does. He doesn't believe in banks. So guys are playing with their meal money or whatever, but Tutu <laughs> does, Tutu's got all the cash in the world in his pocket because he doesn't deposit anything, and he's he's never out of a game because he'll just buy his way in, and yeah. he just outlasts everybody in these card games. That's so funny. Like, he, <laughs> he was a, a funny story was uh, Tutu showed up with this old piece of crap car, and guys are like, what the heck are you doing? Right. Right. He yeah. played a full season in the in NHL. The NHL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By that point, he had played in the NHL, and like I think someone bet him, like, you won't go buy this piece of junk car for like, <laughs> Like two grand, and he comes back and, <laughs> and, he, and he buys it. And he's got the. I remember all the guys used to chant Hoosier tires because it said Hoosier tires, and they, they had no tread on them, completely bald. But he was driving it to the rink every day. It was this old four door piece of crap brown. Oh, yeah. I never heard that. Neither oh, did I. Yeah. I thought I'd heard all I, the toot stories. Rookie in the back with Hoosier tires. <laughs> That's great. And you end up playing with Jordan. Yeah. You, you are centering a line with Him Scotty and Upshaw and Jordan Tutu. Yeah. That's a pretty, uh, like the top line or top line would have been Hadar, Gamash, 
Clawson, and yeah. our number two line is two guys who go on to play a combined probably 1,500 games in the NHL. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it's pretty impressive. Like he's, I saw Uppy and Uppy was up at camp with us this year, right. and just kind of seeing him again. I once I ran into him once in a while, but we had a good line there. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Upshaw was dominant as well in that he playoff. Was. He was really really good. Uh, him and Toots, they're fun guys to play with. He's yeah. an interesting guy, Scotty Upshaw, and the fact that we saw the speed and we saw the skill and all of that, and the tenacity that he had at, at this level, and it took him, he, he kind of changed, he had to change the player he was yep. to get to, I mean, here's a first round pick, right? Yeah. I mean, Six he, overall, but, I think. But he had to like change who he was to be a guy, and, and now he's going year by year on tryouts everywhere, yeah. and he ends up earning a job all the time. Yeah. Uh, but it's just amazing how he adapted his game exactly you, yep. you change to what what is necessary yeah and you can make a really good living uh playing in the nhl on the third and fourth line and he always found a way and adapted and he he's another guy that likes to enjoys the life so like yeah, he, yeah but for he, sure but he found it and you got to appreciate on him that he he found a way to stay relevant in the game and he adapted mm -hmm. that next year you signed with nashville it was your first nhl contract and I remember when you signed and I said congratulations and you, you had said something like people don't understand I'm not getting the money right now. <laughs> They're not paying me all this money right up right off the bat. I got to yeah. make you it, gotta earn it to the national. I got to make yeah. it up to the NHL first. Yeah. Uh, you eventually did. But the, but what was that like to kind of get that validation finally after after a couple of years as a pro already? Well, I, I, had, I remember that summer very well because it was July 1st and I was a free agent and um, after my first year in Milwaukee and Claude called me and said he wanted me back and, and whatever. And they offered me, uh, Nashville offered me a two year deal and it wasn't like AHL money wasn't that good to be honest. Right, and, right. and then I had to make a decision within five minutes and I didn't make a decision and Paul Fenton pulled the contract away. Did he really? Yeah. He pulled the contract oh out. And then, uh, I remember I was going to sign in Manitoba because, uh, well, Craig Heisinger was uh, was the GM, and I was going to sign with their, with him an AHL contract. And Claude, I called Claude, and I told him what happened, and and he turned around, he called Paul, and they offered me an AHL one way, and then I so I stayed here on an AHL one way, and I didn't get that NHL contract till about halfway through the year, yeah. I think it was yeah. something. In when January. they wanted to call you up, right? Yeah, yeah, they wanted to call me up because I think we they had signed a few guys that summer. They in hopes of being their organizational Shane depth guys. And the Cot, well, Cat was there. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, Shane left after Shane twenty left, some yeah. games. Yeah. yeah, Ramsey a bit, and right. Um, so you know, it ended up working out that you know I ended up playing really well that year, and I got called up. Uh, you know, I, I I always owe it to Nashville. They don't have they could they could have called up their draft picks. They could have called up different guys, but uh, they always gave guys guys a chance. Myself and Joel Ward and Fids and uh, oh, Dan, know, Dan Ellis, Ellis was the guy. Yeah, 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 like a lot of guys. And you know, you'd hand it to them that way. You, you but you found out very early about the if you didn't know about the business side of hockey, you learned about it pretty quickly. Oh yeah, for sure. And. And I got it. Like that was Paul Fenton's first year. Uh, right, because Ray, 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 Ray had left, left went yep. to Pittsburgh, and so um, yeah, it was interesting. But uh, you know, it's something. It was definitely a learning lesson. Yeah. Y you might not know this. Three players since the Admirals have played in the NHL, and the excuse me, in the American in the Hockey NHL. League, three players have scored 30 or more goals in a season, and you're one of them. Yeah. You, Darren Hadar. And Pontus Aberg. Well, oh, Chris excuse Mueller, me, and Chris Mueller. Four. four. four Pontus just did yep. it a Pontus couple years ago. That's, uh, that, I mean, we've been around for a while. We've had some pr pretty amazing players here. Yeah. And you're one of those just four guys to score 30 in a season. It goes to show you how difficult yeah. it is to do that. Yeah. 
I look back at that, and I still spent, I believe, about 13 games up in top. Nashville, and yeah. that was a, and I still ended up getting 30. And that's, I do look at that now, and that's quite an accomplishment. Uh, I, re I remember, and it might have been Aaron that told me this. Uh, I think one time I was on a bus, and someone said to me, you know, that no one has ever scored 30 in the coast, 30 in the A, and 30 in the NHL. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and I, I, I was about eight short, but yeah, you yeah, were. Yeah, you had 30. Yeah, that would have been that would have been pretty 30 cool. with South Carolina in yeah. 0405 yeah. and. Ha, career 22 with the Thrashers in 09-10. Yeah. yeah, that would have been pretty cool, but uh, obviously 30 in the NHL is, is quite a quite a feat. No but, doubt, yeah. no doubt. But you, you're 22 in the NHL. I mean, the NHL, it, it's interesting, The your run with Milwaukee slash Nashville when it came to an end, and you were telling the story, which I hadn't heard, but um, you go from not being able to be a regular in Nashville's lineup to playing yeah. on a line with, at the time, at least the top two goal, goal scorers in, in the National Hockey League in the world. Yeah, that was that was crazy. I, uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't really establishing myself. It was hard to kind of get confidence in in Nashville. Uh, I started the year there myself and Patrick Hornquist. Uh, that was his first year over here, yep. and it was just hard to kind of get confidence. I was in and out of the lineup, sometimes trusted, sometimes not, and. Um, you know, that was tough. And then, you know, I think Steve Sullivan was coming back from a back injury. And he said to me, uh, they called me in, and I think it was January at some point, and said, you're going to go on waivers. And Barry told me, Barry Trotz told me, he goes, I don't, I, I'm almost 100% positive you're not getting through. Because uh, Claude was in Columbus at the time, and he right. said, Claude's probably going to take you if it's not them or <coughs> if it's someone else. So uh, that next day, Paul Fenton called me, and they said, if, if you get claimed, you're gone and good luck. Uh, but if you're not, you're going to San Antonio and you're going to play with the Admirals, Admirals tonight. Yeah. And I had full intentions of going down because I think it probably would have been good for me to kind of get my confidence back. Which sure. is, sea so, legs a little bit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I'm, my wife's and I are circling the airport in Nashville just uh, waiting for the call at 12, 12 Eastern time, 11. And I, I forget again who, I, who called me, but they said, okay, you're going to, you're, you're going to Atlanta. Atlanta claimed you. And the coach at that point was John Anderson, who had been in the, with the in, Wolves. In the Wolves, Him yeah. and Todd Nelson uh, with the Wolves, and they had seen me enough. And, and the funny thing is when I tell stories, because Nel Todd Nelson's now the assistant yeah, coach in him, Dallas, yeah. he, he said to me, he goes, oh, we were sitting there having lunch, me, Johnny, and Don Waddell, and, and Don Waddell told us you were on waivers, and he had no idea who I was. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah, and John, and John Anderson's like, you got to take this guy. Yeah. So first game. Lo and behold, at 19 minutes, I think I played with Kovalchuk and uh, Armstrong. Then second game, uh, three points, overtime winner against the Leafs. Is that right? <laughs> and then third game in Nashville, we beat them seven nothing, and I had three assists. Really? <laughs> third game in Atlanta. Wow. Yeah, and that was probably that year. Nashville didn't make playoffs. Yeah. And they kind of stumbled after that. Like I'm not saying it was that was the reason, but. I don't know if Pekka or Dan. It might have been Dan. Dan Ellis might have started that game, and we had scored. We popped five of them around the first in the first period. That's wow! But you that not only is it a life change for you as a hockey player, but you were going through a life a major life experience as a family at that oh, time yeah. too. Yeah, my wife was uh, just got told she was pre she was pregnant, but my first and. I, rem I remember <laughs> you're I'm living like, in Nashville. I'm living in Nashville, and I'm like, oh, okay, we're going to have the baby in Nashville. No, no, we're not. We're so going to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, called my parents and said, can you come down and uh, drive Natalie from, luckily, it was only like a four or five hour drive yeah. Nashville to Atlanta. So right. it worked out well. So, uh, you know, Atlanta was, uh, you know, kickstarted my NHL career. What was it like to play there? I mean, we know it's, it has had 
the Flames, yeah. and it had the Thrashers, and they both have since moved on. Yeah. Um, the IHL team was tremendously successful when it played yep. there, but it's, that's a different thing. What was it? Were there were there diehards? Was it yeah. hard to get diehards? Oh, there was, was it there was diehards. There just wasn't enough of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's so many transplants there that uh, I think if the team was successful, right, uh, it probably would have done okay. But when you won, didn't win a playoff game and made the playoffs once, it was kind of tough. We were there was Monday nights. We call it the South Least Division games where <laughs> we were playing against the Florida Panthers on a Monday night, and there was nobody there. But yeah. you know, at that point, I by my third year, I was kind of like, okay, it'd be kind of nice to play in the hockey market. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and that happened, and you yeah. ended up there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how did that happen? How did that go down? Uh, well, we had had a little bit of a changeover. I think Kovalchuk the year before was traded. Maybe, maybe a year. Yeah, I think it was the year before. Uh, quite a few players came in. Rick Dudley came in as GM, Craig Ramsey as coach, and uh, we kind of just, I think we were kind of stumbling, kind of middle of the pack of that year. We brought in Bufflin and Ladd and uh, who was the other one? Uh, ben Eager. Uh, so there was quite a few guys that got there from Chicago, and then we weren't th doing that good, and I, I was... I think I was making 1.2 and this is where the salary cap was kind of coming into effect and and I remember that Boston told me they were or someone told me I was going to get traded but I had to wait because of the way the salary cap was so Boston traded for myself and I was making 1.2 and Mark Stewart and Blake Wheel were making a combined like four and a half million so sure. they needed to shed they needed they to shed to salary because yeah. they wanted to get Thomas Caberlet from Toronto so they go and they make the trade for me, and then two seconds later they make the trade for Caberlet, just so that they could be cap compliant. So right. uh, it worked out. It worked out well. I had a role right away in Boston. They put me on a, on a third line with uh, Chris Kelly and Michael Ryder, who were outstanding guys and outstanding players. And you know, we just kind of rolled from there. You did you ever? Yeah, I mean, you ever all the way to the Stanley Cup? Yeah. When when did you know? Like every team sort of has a point. Like they know, like hey, we're this really is special, good. Yeah. This is special. When did you guys know that? That first when I first got there, I didn't. It, we went on a six-game road trip out in Western Canada, and yeah. we just gelled right away. Like there was uh, there was just great human beings, great guys in the room. We all gelled right away. We all going out on those road trips. You got to eat together. You got to hang out together, and we all kind of just. Really, really gelled really well, and uh, everyone was great. And there was no clicks, and we would go and we'd go out to our dinners together, go go to, go out and go to the bar after games, and it was just a lot of fun. And that six-game road trip, I think we swept it out Did in Western really? Canada, and we won all six and came back and we just started going. And yeah. that first round, we were we were lost. We lost the first two games at home against Montreal. We were down 0-2 right away, and you know we thought we were in a tough spot, but then. Mark Recchi came up and he had a big speech for us and boom, we won the next two and then, you know, we cruised from there. And you're, you're playing, play Vancouver in the finals. Yeah. Right. And so you go there, it's a seven game series. Yeah. Right. And yeah. play game seven there in Vancouver and they have like, you guys win it, but then outside in major Vancouver, riots. Oh, major yeah. riots, yeah. right? Like it was nuts. I remember pulling up to the game because we had to play at five o'clock Pacific time right because it needs to be game. prime time yeah so, eight o'clock Eastern yeah, yeah so so I remember we we fly in and then we would always fly in day before and then we wouldn't do anything for games uh, one two and four one two and five so then for game seven we flew there day before and we skated to change it up so the next day we go to the rink 
and the chaos just started way before the is game. Is that right? Because they had all the all the TV booths and everything outside. It was a nice day. And we pulled up, and I was in a cab with uh, Brad Marchant. And they see us, and you could, like, the cab had to go through a crowd to get near the rink. And finally, people are jumping on the taxi, hitting the windows. Well, you're like, in it. We're like, well, are we going to be alive? Right. Like, make are it we going to get rink? to play the game? Yeah. So finally, the cabbie goes like, we called, I think, the PR guy and uh, for Boston. And we're like, what do we do here? He's like, just get out of the cab and run, and I'll open the gate. Because <laughs> so, there is like a fence around <laughs> the arena. <laughs> so like, so me and Brad, and Brad just books it because like obviously he's the one he's the rat, way yeah, hated yeah. more than I am yeah. and we just start sprinting to the rink and there's like <laughs> people chasing us it was crazy oh my goodness yeah. Oh, unreal yeah so ended up we you know he had a great game I think he had three points two goals in that game and uh, wow it was <laughs> what, just what is game seven of the Stanley Cup finals nerves like like, yeah, you can say it's just another game, but you, but, but it's it's, you try not. to treat like it like that, but that's not possible, is it? Yeah, we we went in obviously not winning a game there yet, and right. you know I think there was a few things said. Mark Recchi probably said something. I remember I was say I said to Mark Recchi, you know the last three Stanley Cup winners have won on the road, on the road, and 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 we were like, oh yeah, okay, so there's you know, and then we ended up going in. You score the first goal that just changed the tie, right? And you could see Vancouver. They're at home, all the pressure. We right. didn't have as much pressure as them. Yeah, there's nerves, but we didn't have that type of pressure. Right. And Vancouver definitely had that pressure. The I Longo think, especially. Yeah, right? and the first goal wasn't great. I think he kind of fell. And then Bergeron scored the second one shorthanded where he slid into the net. And it was kind of like, okay, the tides are turning. And we really didn't give much after that. And obviously Tim Thomas was outstanding. But, uh, you know, we were just, we were rolling. You do, you, you always had had a... Uh a good memory and a good respect of, of the history and all of that stuff. But you're, the way you're talking, do you remember like everything about games? Yes. You do? Yeah, like there's, I couldn't tell you every single goal I scored, but I think Charlie brought up the Brett Michaels uh, yeah. <laughs> concert. I remember that game against Peoria because at the old Bradley Center, they would have the one end would lose the stands, and that's where the concert, right, right. that's where the stage would be. Right. I remember scoring two goals at that end. Right. Uh, yeah, against and, Peoria. And, so. I've, and I mentioned this before, or off before we started uh, rolling here, that John Bitter yeah. is a huge Poison Brett Michaels fan. Mm -hmm. and at the time, yeah. Rock of Love was what Brett Michaels was known yeah. for, so we bring yeah. in Brett as one of the you know Admirals Concert Post Series concert. games. Yeah. And it's a lackluster game. You know, I think we're down 3-2 to two or 2-1 two to one or something like that. Yeah. And then Brett had filmed a segment saying, hey, and now I'm, I'm going to throw it down to my friend John Bitter. And John proposes to his wife, who has no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, she's totally caught off guard, and yeah. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. My wife said to me, like, if you had done that, I'd have said no. <laughs> uh, and then, so that happens, and then Brett goes back up on and says, hey, congrats, guys. You know, I hope you have a great life together. And then we go on and win, and you score a couple of goals that game. Yeah. And you told me after the game, you said, you know what? That, like, that got me going. That oh, got yeah. us excited. Like, we were so happy for him. <laughs> yeah. And we just was like, this is cool. Well, you know, John used to come out with a boy. <laughs> oh, he sure did. <laughs> he was a lot of fun, and he was almost like a teammate. So when, he's, when, we, when we saw that, we were like, okay, we got to get him going, boys. Yeah. And, and I remember we, we ended up having a great game, and we ended up winning. But that was so much fun for us because it brought so much energy to the building. Like, right. the, the, the crowds would come in, and I remember – John Bitter when we when we had uh, what was the concert was it 
Ario Speedwagon, yeah. and he was just in love with the band. Oh, for sure. And uh, that, I think we won all those games almost. I'm not saying we won every game, but it really kind of fired you up because we had a good good crowd that those, at those games. Good electricity. You, you, feel, you feel that. Yeah, you feel that yeah. electricity. You oh, feel for that. sure. Yeah, and you want to put on a show and, yeah. and make it a, a whole night of a show. Yeah, a, and, a and show. The, the, the crowds are big, and the thing about the concert games is those crowds also consume a lot of <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that's that right. helps. To, yeah. You know, the, the hockey fans. It, it lubes it up a little right, bit. Right, the hockey oh, fans yeah. who are coming to love the hockey, they're, they're taking it seriously, right? As yeah. they, and they should, but the people who are coming for the concert and for the fun time, like, hey, oh. let's go after They want to see a show. Yeah. They yeah. want to see a show. That was awesome you guys started doing those concert series. I think that's quite a quite a fun thing for the players too. We're bringing, it's funny you say that because REO is coming back again this year. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 They probably uh, loved it the first time. Uh, the, yeah, exactly. Well, I've yeah, actually got a, we, we played REO that year. We beat him in a shootout. And just like you're saying, the stage is down there. And our photographer has this great picture of a guy. I can't remember who, what, who we were playing. Uh, Pekka makes the save on him. And Kevin Cronin's the lead singer for REO Speedwagon. He's sitting on the stage with his feet over the stage. And he's cheering for the game. That's like he's awesome. out there watching it. It's he a told wow. me that game, that game there that you're talking. Well, it wasn't that one, maybe. But it was the one. Yeah, maybe it was. But he was telling me he's tight with, like, Bernie Nichols and all of this oh, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, so he's yeah. a huge hockey yeah, guy, right? which, is, yeah. which is really cool. You win the Cup in 11. You go to the White House. Yeah. What is that situation like? Do you get patted down? Is it, like, I mean, how rough, how, how challenging of a day is it? Or is it just, because you can't, you probably can't goof off a heck of a lot. No, there, there wasn't. There was, I think it, before we had, like, a little bit of a, uh, preparation talk on what was going to be said and the things we were going to do and we were all had to dress a certain way and you know the the security going in I remember going the you got to go through the gate and then the bus went on there was a little controversy too because that's the first time Tim Thomas was he uh, didn't go he didn't go his and, politics and he didn't or whatever, like yeah. uh, Obama's politics yep. and you know, I thought everyone else was okay with Obama, so it was it was kind of cool. But you know, at the end of the day, you're going and you're meeting a United States president. Like you can't always say you did that and shake, shook his hand. And yeah, that was a, that was quite a special moment. Yeah, but but nothing like you said. It was no. pretty straight laced. It's you walk yep. in and you walk out basically. Yeah, there wasn't anything like crazy. Like they let us walk around, and to be honest, it wasn't kind of as elegant as i thought it was really right. very historic like sure. yeah like it looked like the carpet hadn't been changed in 100 do you, years do you get a souvenir of or of anything i mean do they give you a pen or anything or is it the picture that you have and that's or did you get a picture i, I no i don't think we got anything to be really? honest <laughs> <laughs> like, i think you know a couple guys like i think andrew ferentz uh, has a photo of him shaking his uh, obama's hand and i'm like Maybe I should look into that. Like yeah. maybe the Somebody's Bruins somewhere. Yeah, maybe the Bruins guys have that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe a couple years later, when the Hawks win it, he gives them a better reception because yeah, he's, he's, from, <laughs> he's Chicago. from Chicago, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Rich Peverly is joining us here on the Milwaukee Admirals podcast. What was your day with the cup like? You took it back home. Yeah. To well, took it back home. Uh, just tried to find a way to uh, to get it out in the public so that everyone could kind of enjoy it. People around us and just enjoyed it with friends and, and family and had a band and uh, just kind of partied. It was a, it was a great day. It wasn't anything. I didn't do anything overly exotic or out 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 on the limb. But I just wanted to hang out with my friends and enjoy it. And uh, where were you in the? Uh, order per se, like what time? What time of the year was it? It was like mid end of July. End of July. Yeah. So it had been other places already. Yeah, I think it had been to Europe already, and 
I remember the guys like at, tw- at midnight, you got to have it, you got to be done with it. And I'm like, oh, come on, like midnight. But <laughs> yeah, like, right. yeah, it w- but it was, there was a drink, a lot, uh, a bit of a all day drinking fest. I think by midnight, most people were ready, re- to, re- ready to be sure. done. Yeah, ready to be done. But it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Is that the best part of it though? The, the celebration, it's it's one thing with your teammates, but it's another thing to be with the people who have been with you as long as yeah. you can remember. Yeah, it's it's really special to to have it go back to your hometown and, and bring it somewhere like that. I think uh, there's so many people that helped you along the way that uh, if it was a little, if it was a coach of minor hockey or a parent that said something, and that's when you really enjoyed it. But honestly, I think for me, the best part was when we got back to Boston and you know you kind of let your guard down you've been living in a bubble for two it honestly feels like a bubble for two months sure yeah. and you know you're in the hotels we had to live in a hotel the night before games at home so you're in really? a hotel all the time and uh you how, know how did you is man- that standard practice by the way a lot of teams do it do they uh a lot of playoffs only playoffs only yeah though th- but some teams they'll offer a hotel room just so that Playoffs can be very like a big distraction because there's all kinds of family everyone's around. Coming out, we, yeah, yeah. Although everyone's coming out of the woodwork, and you know you could have 15, 20 people there sometimes, and they're crashing your house, and you're really not getting any sleep. So they offer it, but in Boston they made us do it. They made us say, okay, be in the hotel by nine, which you know nine's not bad. If you got kids, you can put them to bed. Yeah. Right. And uh, so it wasn't it wasn't too bad. And then you know, but you just feel like you're just like you're you're back and forth. You're every other day playing games. We had three series go seven. So. No, you played 25 games in in two months. It was it was a lot. So, uh, just like I said, just when that you let your guard down and you can really enjoy it with your teammates, that was the most special part. The 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 old story uh, Gretzky was talking about after uh, the Islanders had beat them, and it was the fourth straight for the, for the Islanders. Yep. And I know you probably know the story that Gretzky walked by their locker room and it opened up. And these guys, they're not jumping around yeah. and pouring champagne and everything. They're literally sitting back and exhaling because yeah. like, they uh, yeah. they did. Was it like that when you wanted to? Yeah, there was there was guys that just the things they had to play through. Like uh, I didn't have any needles or anything like that, but I think there might have been about ten. I think Vancouver might have had more than us, but I remember someone saying we had ten and they had about twelve needles oh. going uh, going in where they're just shooting up just to get through. Yeah, you know it, it w- that that was a hard hard part. Probably the worst injury I saw for that was the year we lost in the Stanley Cup final to Chicago in thirteen, and uh, Patrice Bergeron had had a punctured lung. Yes, yeah. and you're just like holy jeez, like how is he playing through this? Yeah. But yeah, they found a way. He's a <laughs> Hall of Famer. Oh, he's. Isn't he? Is he's by far, yeah, no question. He's uh, probably him and him and Char are the best best leaders I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, they were unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rich Peverly joining us here on the Milwaukee Admirals podcast, um, and then and then it kind of ends. You get traded. To, you get you, you talk about salary matchups and all of that yeah. stuff. You get you get sent to Dallas where they still employ you now. Yeah, it's funny how it works. I uh, I remember the I remember the conversation quite clearly. Uh, my agent called me and said, you know, the salary caps going from seventy to sixty four or seventy one to sixty four, and we got it. And Boston's they they're going to told me they're going to trade you. So I remember uh, Peter Shirelli calling me in and saying, you know, we got to we got to trade you. We really don't have a choice here. And I said, okay. Well, I really didn't want to get traded. It was the. F- you how ha- do you own a house in Boston? No, I didn't own a house, but like just the. The group, like we yeah. just had such a good group. Yeah, you were all right. still together. Yeah, yeah, good group of guys, and oh, oh, best quite a few of them high. are still there. Yeah, still there's there still sure. four, five or six of them that are still there from that from that 13 team and and 11, but 
all those guys and it, it just it really kind of really hurt hurt me a little bit that way but you know I went to Dallas and you know I had unfortunately had my career there but uh yeah it's it's too bad I couldn't stay I could have stayed longer in uh, in Boston but you know what I wouldn't be here if I, probably doing what right. I do now and I love what I do now uh player development uh, with Dallas. Well, you mentioned your, your career ending there, and I don't want to get too far into it if you're uncomfortable with it, but uh, I'm just, one of the positives that came out of it is the work you're doing mm -hmm. to uh, to help people be aware of, of how, I shouldn't say easy, but it's relatively yeah. easy to save a life if you, yeah. if you know what you're doing. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of been, uh, you know, something that Natalie and I, my wife, are really proud about that, uh, you know, we're still looking to change, uh, change the way that we can put put more defibrillators into into hockey arenas or schools or and just kind of get awareness out there about AED training and uh, how difficult is the training part and I bring this up because when I go to my church or when I go to where I see it mm -hmm. but I I honestly don't would, know right, if, if I was stuck with having to use it, if, if I was there with somebody else and yeah. something were to happen, and, and it's incredibly I don't know how I how I would handle it. It's incredibly straightforward but you know it's easy to say that because when you're in a stressful situation, you don't know how you, you're going to react. You don't know how exactly. You don't know how you're going to react. And, and luckily so. for you, you had world-class medical people yep. right there, right there. I, exactly. Like, and if they weren't there, I probably now, wouldn't be alive. Were you playing for Nashville when the uh, Yuri Fisher yeah. had his episode? No, I wasn't. Okay, I wasn't. Yeah, I think that was in 04, 05. That was, oh, it yeah. was. Okay, yeah. I didn't realize it was that far before. Yeah, but, uh, it was quite a few years. Uh, not quite a few. It was a few years before. And I see Yuri now. He works for Detroit. Right. So, uh, you know, it's too bad I ended up going that way. But like I said. But know, if it wasn't for Yuri Fisher, then yeah. maybe same something's thing. Maybe, yeah, so I remember that when that happened, the doctors had, they had to make a change where they had doctors you know, go by the bench or be in, be in the stands. And then what happened to me, they now require the doctors to be right behind the bench. Right. And they weren't behind the bench for some games where they were about 10 rows up or 15 rows sure. up. And if with all the commotion, sometimes they couldn't get down. Right. Now the doctors, because of what happened to me, they have to be right behind Is the bench. Is that right? First row behind the bench. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We had a situation. It wasn't that serious but, but it, it, Alden Hirschfeld played for Grand Rapids and had a seizure on the bench and nobody really knew what was going on but like you said the personnel was there yeah right like yeah. lickety yeah. split Doug, right Doug Agnew had to go over Doug hopped the bench and yeah they were all wow. it, yeah it was um I can't imagine it, it doing that but like I said you you've you've taken the positive out of this whole thing to yeah. and and from what I read you have counseled with other players who have gone through similar things. This wasn't, uh, again, I, I said I didn't want to get into it. This wasn't a heart attack no. for you. No. It was just a, a jolt that didn't work yeah, it properly was a, it at was one time. It a cardiac time. arrest, so. There's a know, difference. There's, there's a, a distinction. There is a difference. Like, a heart attack's more of a blockage from what I understand, and uh, this wasn't that. It was electrical system and yeah. just a cardiac arrest, and. Uh, yeah, I still I speak with some guys. You know, Craig Cunningham, obviously, ha what happened to him in this league. Right. I played with him in Boston a little bit, so I see him quite a bit. And now what Craig went through is a thousand times worse than what I went through. Right. He's had about 25 surgeries, and, uh, you know, good on him. He's still very positive, and he's working for Arizona now doing some scouting. So, 
You know, he's the, he's another guy. He's 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 turning it into a positive. But everything with you is on the is great, right? Yeah, I've had no issues since I've had surgery. Yep. And as we're great. doing this, you had just finished running through Panther Working Arena. Out. Like yeah. you look <laughs> like you could go play right now. Like well, maybe like, maybe do not you feel like do you, honestly. Do you feel like you could you could still be playing? Give you give yourself three or four weeks to yeah, skate. Yeah, I, I think I could, but but the way the NHL is now. It's, it, it's so young. Like once you hit thirty, I think they're finding ways to get you out of the. Out of yeah. The, yeah. So you know, you look at like Scotty Upshaw. Like he can't. He can't find a job. He can play. Yeah. He's yeah. in ph phenomenal shape. But you know, they want the younger guys now. And yeah, I think you got to find a niche. And I think, uh, you know, I kind of found a niche a certain way where I was still kind of productive in Dallas, but I was winning a lot of faceoffs. I was still one of the best guys in the league. Yeah. So you know, I would have maybe had a few more years because of that, but I don't know if I could. If I would have lasted this long, but I think I would have had a few more years for sure. One thing, and the Admirals don't see the Texas Stars a lot, but they see it eight times eight this times, year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, but one thing over the years I've I've noticed with them, and you're as a developmental coach, um, you get to work with these players. But it seems like they do such a good job, if not the best job, from what I see. And this is with all due respect to everybody else of finding these college free agents. Yeah. They do a great job of that. There yeah. are a lot of guys that weren't drafted yep. that play meaningful minutes, not only for Texas, but make their way. Ben Gleason is a young man last year yep. who went up and played 19 games in Dallas. Yeah. I mean, they, they do a great job with that. Scott White has done a phenomenal job that with that. For years. For yeah, years. Yeah, he was in Iowa. Yes. Yeah, he was for years. And I was, uh, I'm going to kind of take a small credit for Ben Gleason because he was an Ontario Hockey League guy and myself and some other scouts had seen him. And I, we have a player, Nick Camano, who just got down from Dallas, and he was in he Hamilton. Scored his first goal. Yeah, yeah. and they won a OHL championship together with Ben with Ben Gleason. So I got to see Ben quite a bit that year. So, you know, we pushed, and we were hoping to, we got him on a tryout. We just wanted him as a tryout. He's a tryout for a rookie camp last year, and he played unbelievable. And we signed him, and they ended up playing 19 games. Yeah, you know, Joel Lesperance is another one. Yeah, right, right. Justin Bayruther. Uh, he was a big name signing, but like Lesperance, tryout guy, Justin Dowling, who's now in Dallas, started in Idaho. There's just been countless guys. Hey, that, Justin Dowling is a yeah. guy who has who's gone through the grind. Oh, has he ever? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. and that. W so when you like, you kind of went through the same thing. When you get when you make it to the NHL and establish establish yourself as a regular. Dowling's case might be a little different than yours in the fact that he came up through that organization, the same yeah. organization the whole time. But is there like an immense amount of respect for this guy that he put up put with the time. all of this stuff going on for how many years before he finally got a chance to say, yeah. I'm here for good? I'm going to say this with all due respect. Uh, I think the American League guys do. I don't think the NHL guys do. Really? Because, you know, they're to, to them, he's just a fourth-line guy or third-line sure, guy sure. that's kind of just find a way to make it. Right. But you talk to the guys around the around the room that are in with Texas you know, or the management that's been there. Like, he had some unbelievable playoff runs, right. uh, regular seasons. Like, he was – that year we lost to Toronto, and uh, I think it was 17 or 18 – he was just. It was eighteen because Carl, Carl was yeah. assistant there. Yeah, he was a he was a ma he was just a beast, and like for a little guy, he just took over games, and you know that's that's how he translated it into into games last year. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Anything else, Charlie? I, you got anything I mean, you want to add? We've kept him here? for so long. We right? have, like, yes. He's yes. probably got work to do. Still. <laughs> exactly. Nope. What, how, how <laughs> what, what, is, what is the job like? Are you, are you traveling all over the world? Are you going to yeah. Finland to meet with yeah. draft picks and all of that? Yeah. So. Uh, you know, Scotty Nickel, who I played with in Nashville, obviously was doing it with, and it was Nashville and Milwaukee, who's now become the GM here. But, uh, 
you know, he was kind of my first phone call when I heard about all this on uh, how to do this. on how to do this. And a lot of things that I asked him is how I what what they did in Milwaukee and in Nashville. It's kind of what I've kind of created my own template about how I wanted to do the player development for Dallas. And mm-hmm. I do it with another another individual who's more on the strength and conditioning side. Um, but yeah, I'm I live in Ontario, but I try to see Texas as much as I can because those are your those are your prize prospects. Those are your prize pros- yeah. po- prospects. The closest to re- ready, yeah. And then you got to be, you know, you got to get the other guys ready so that when they're ready to make the transition to either Dallas or Texas, you know, they're prepared. So, you know, uh, past few years, uh, I've gone over to Europe a couple times a year. We've had, you know, Miro Heiskanen was playing. We sent him back after we drafted him. Rolpe hints the same yeah. type of thing. They've uh, worked out. They've worked yeah. out. Phenomenal. They've been okay. <laughs> Player development right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, those guys were great players. and uh, But it's a, it's a fun job. You get to go over and see all the all the players. But you know what it is a lot, and Yuri Fisher told me this, is you just got to have a good relationship with their coaches. Their coaches are the guys that deal with them every day. Yeah, and right. you could have uh, an impact on the players, but it's the coaches that have the impact on them. And if you're delivering the same message as the coach, you know, hopefully it's a successful one. Yeah, uh, that's that's a great point. Um, the you mentioned to devise the job. Did you come up with the plan when you go to the general manager in Dallas and say this is this is how I see the way it should go. This is how I want to do it. And they said, "Cool." The reason I say that is because it's the, Dallas. Uh, I know Mike Valley, mm-hmm. and Dallas kind of let Mike Valley figure out how yeah. the best way to do his job with with his personal and his professional life all of that stuff was it kind of the same it here? was like because uh, it's a relatively new position in the nhl it, what you're doing it is and i think you know there's more there's bigger staffs on different teams mm-hmm. but for myself there's no there's now three of us but uh when i first started it was myself and another guy and and he lives in dallas so you know he wasn't he was spending a lot more time with our american league team which is which is important so I would just Jim Nill, who's uh, you know obviously a great general manager mm-hmm. and, and been around a long time. He said he lets guys do their work, and he he gave me a small template for the first three months of the season. Said, okay, you just got to go and see everybody, right? Yeah, and and you got to do the work. Uh, yeah, you got to do the work, and then I but just, these were just kind of a guide. Like this it was is, a guide. This is how you get the start. Yeah. So you know, luckily. Les Jackson, who's been with Dallas and he was with for the, was in the North Star. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. with the North Stars. Is a phenomenal person and, and a great uh, mentor to me and uh, and so has all the other management but they've given me uh, countless ideas on development if it's uh, certain things and certain schemes or different strategies on how to deal with a player or if it's evaluation or how do we get a player better and you know because you're out on the ice with these guys right yeah, you're not exactly. just uh, you're not just talking x's and o's on the yep. board yeah you get out there and you're and you're you're helping them there yeah and a lot of it is like a lot of it is like off ice. Like they, it's it's learning to be a pro. Like right. eating right, health, uh, sleeping properly, being prepared uh, for a game. You know what are you eating the day before? Just small things like that. That uh, these guys that when they until they get to pro, they, they don't really have any have, idea. They have no idea. Like Carl was talking about uh, yesterday, and he told me that some guy came in and signed a 12-month lease. And he's like, <laughs> right. Well, they wouldn't know, right? right. Like unless someone told them, right? So right. I've kind of tried to like. I, I went through that here in Milwaukee, and then you know you, you go to different states and you learn different things. So I had to get insurance, uh, car insurance, bought a car in 
I bought a car, I think, here in no, yeah, I bought a car, a couple cars here in Wisconsin. Sure. So it's different for different states. So you, if you can relay that, relay that information to the players, like it's such a helpful tool. Yeah, I want to finish with this. Uh, maybe the funniest visual I have seen off the ice happened when you were on the team. Uh, it was a stretch of games in Albany, wow. uh, yeah. all of this stuff, and Kim Stahl. Yeah. Who was on the team at the time? Maybe yeah. the only Bubbles. Danish player we've ever had. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, Bubbles, yeah, that's yeah. right. Bubbles, <laughs> Bubbles, yeah. Kim Stahl, uh, he either scored a goal or we won a game. I don't remember what it, the, the reasoning behind it was, but he let you shave his head like Roy Munson in the in the uh, the bowling. I don't movie. remember that. Oh my yeah, god! Like he had a long. He wasn't a mullet. Oh, he had he long had hair, long, and he, he was very proud of it. Right? Yeah. It was a real Samson yeah. type thing with right. him. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's but funny. That stretch, I remember him standing on the corner in Toronto with Sheldon Brookbank at the hotel we used to stay at yep. in Toronto. Yep. That, uh, it used to be a holiday yeah, right yeah. there uh, by, uh, by Gretzky's. Yep, yep. And he was standing there with that haircut with Roy Munson. Oh, that's right. Do you remember that? party. I think it was. It was part of, it was rookie party. So we shaved his head and we left like spots everywhere. Yeah, yeah. He left the flow in the back. Yeah. We always tried to have the rookie party in Toronto because it would be drinking age for the young guys. So, you know, that was always fun. But what a character that Ken Stahl guy was. Oh, my God. He had an apartment like way out. I think it was off Brady Street. Yeah. It was like three levels and he had like artwork. He was doing painting, and he told he, me he was one a strange, time. strange guy. But he was a lot of fun. Like yeah. guys loved him. He said one time that he went to a. Uh, it was the fall, about this time of year, and he just moved here. He see, oh, there's a garage sale wherever, and he wants to buy a bike. Yeah. And so he goes to the garage sale, buys the bike, but doesn't have any idea how to get back to Brady Street. So he's just driving <laughs> in the inner city of Milwaukee. This guy, this I Danish guy, that. a 10-speed, yeah. a blue 10-speed. I can picture the bike because yeah. he'd bring it to the rink. He's flying through, you know, like some of the not nicer oh, neighborhoods. Yeah. Remember, the, remember the ride from... Uh, from downtown to Wilson Park, and we'd go through the That's couple right. rough areas. And I remember he wanted to ride his bike, and we're like, no, 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 no. You're going to jump in the back with us. That's great. Yeah. That's oh. great. Rich, thanks so much for doing this. We uh, really greatly yeah, appreciate it. A lot of fun. You. All your you. time and everything. Uh, that'll do it. We'll wrap things up. Thanks to Rich Peverly. Uh, for Charlie Larson, I'm Aaron Sims. Thanks for listening to the Milwaukee Admirals podcast.